0: Well, good morning again. Wow, really. Can I ask you a question? Honesty is always the best policy. How many of you are tired today? Raise your hand. So let's try this again. Good morning. morning. Here we are. I knew you were there. So kind of to wake you up, why don't we stand? And um, we are doing this series over Christmas called Obscure Christmas Texts. And this morning, our fourth installment is from the book of Micah, chapter five, verses one to five. It's not really that obscure, but uh, you hear it a lot. But before we get there, let me tell you a couple of stories. Um, These are grandparents' stories. We're told to grandparents, so here it is. You ready for the first one? Kid comes home and says to his grandfather, he says, Grandpa, what do you get if you throw explosives in a well? Noel, Noel. Okay, okay. <laughs> wow, really, you must be desperate to applaud. So here's the other one which is worse than that one. You ready for this? Pentecostal family living in a... Pentecostal family living in an apartment building uh, notices uh, the lady across the hall from them are, is alone. And they go over, and they knock on the door, and they say, excuse me, um, are you alone for Christmas? And the lady says, yes. And the guy says, could I borrow a couple of chairs? (laughs) Now, just in case you're wondering, Mark Denny, the chair of our board, told me that this morning. That is a little warped, isn't it? But then again, you got to know Mark, and so there it is. But anyway, uh, we got two verses that we're going to read this morning. I'm going to read the white, and you're going to read the, I think it's green. This is what it says. Now, muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah. and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Well done. Father, we pause today to say thanks for your gift, extravagant, radical, generous gift that you exhibited in Jesus Christ. And for the marvelous work of the Holy Spirit who takes what you have done in Jesus and makes it available, applicable, and possible in our lives. And we ask now that that same Holy Spirit would enable us to have a voice to speak, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to understand, but particularly As we go out of this building, beyond this property and this facility, to go out into our marriages, our homes, where we go to school, where we go to work, where we recreate, where we buy our services, and where we serve. That, Lord, that you would give us by your Holy Spirit the enablement to live out what it means to be in tangible ways fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Christians, Christ followers. And so we ask this in Christ's name and for his name's sake, amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, well, while you're getting settled, I want you to, with me, use your imagination this morning. And I want you to imagine a world With me. A world where there is no injustice, no corporate greed, no political corruption, no harm, and no destruction. A world where no one is lonely, there's no need for prisons. No one is hungry because food is equally distributed. The poor only hear good news. There's no disease. There's no natural disasters and no climate change. A world where there is no military conflict and no nuclear weapons. A world where there is no relational conflict, no racism, no abuse, no misuse. A world where there is no pain, no disabilities, there's no crying, and there's no dying. A world where everything is as it should be. Can we, can you and I imagine, envision such a world? Probably not, and if we could, it's very difficult because it's a world that we have never ever known. But the world as it is is the world that we have. And it's the one that we have had for a very long, long time. And that brings us to our fourth obscure Christmas text in Micah, chapter 5. And Micah tells us that the world that preceded Jesus was one and will be one that is characterized by conflict. Now, in Micah's time, there was suffering, hurt, and division. In chapter 2, verse 9, he writes this, The women of my people, you drive out from their delightful homes, from their young children, you take away my splendor forever. And then he says in chapter three, verses one to three, he says, is it not for you to know justice? You hate the good and love the evil who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Now, I hope that he is talking in metaphor because if he is not, then this is incredibly graphic. But he says at the beginning of our text, that we read this morning, he says that Jerusalem is told to mobilize their army because they are to prepare for siege because the army is advancing, the enemy army army is, being, is advancing. And Micah says that he describes a time when their leader will be humiliated. Humiliated. And they will strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. And so Micah describes a nation, a time, an environment, a world in his time that was characterized by conflict of suffering and hurt and division. We see the same thing in Jesus' time. We who know the story of the birth of Jesus and the circumstances surrounding it, we are familiar with the fact of the half sane king half sane king Herod and his antics, and we're aware of the brutality of the Romans. And in Jesus' time, it was a time of conflict, of suffering, of hurt, and division. And the same is true in our time. Think about it the suffering and the hurt and division, even in our own nation, where Western Canada and Eastern Canada and Central Canada are at odds. The hurt and division between political parties and leaders. We look to the south, to the United States, between the Republicans and the Democrats, and this whole business around impeachment, and the President. In Central and South America, we look at what's happening in Mexico, and we look what is happening just recently in Bolivia, and we see what has happened over the last months in Venezuela. I was on a news feed this a couple of weeks ago and I wanted, I tried to go back and find the picture. There is a picture of this beautiful, handsome young man, boy, he must have been around 17 or 18, and he is walking toward the border and he's carrying, he's got a backpack on his back and he's carrying a bunch of clothes, which I assume was his clothes. And I thought to myself as I looked at the picture, what hope does this boy have? What are the chances of this boy having a great future, of getting an education and starting a family and having a good life? Not much. And the picture broke my heart. I look at Africa and, of course, Mozambique, and we talk about Zimbabwe and Nigeria. In Britain, it's over Brexit. In Hong Kong, it's over democracy. And there's hurt and division between the Syrians and the Kurds and the Russians and the United States and Turkey, and there's and division between Israel and Gaza and Israel and Syria and Israel and the Palestinians, and we have the drug cartels, and we have the drug lords and the warlords, and we have the dictators. Did you know that there are 12 million refugees in our world currently? 12 million. Five million refugees in the last five years. And then, of course, closer to home, there's the suffering and the hurt and division between marriage partners, between spouses, and the hurt and division in families. And as it is now, so it was then, conflict, suffering, hurt, and division, As it was, as it is in our time, so it was in Jesus' time, and so it is and was in Micah's time. And yet, into this atmosphere of conflict, into this atmosphere of suffering and hurt and division, Micah tells us that God sends himself in the person of the child Jesus. And then Micah moves on and he tells us about our present hope. And Micah describes a very specific place that this hope is going to come to, Bethlehem, Epaphratha. And the reason why he does this, the reason why Micah is being so specific and so detailed is to make sure that we understand which Bethlehem is being talked about because in Micah's time there were two Bethlehems. There was one in the area of Zebulun, and there was one that was just a little uh, distance from Jerusalem. And Micah wants us to make sure that we understand which Bethlehem it is. It is the one near Jerusalem, Epaphrathah, which is the ancient name for Bethlehem. And Micah is being specific. He's being detailed. He's telling us. That this town and about its smallness, about its insignificance. And Micah tells us that when God brings peace, when God brings peace, he will do it so quietly that we might miss it. We begin by imagining a world that we have never known a world that has never existed in our time, in Jesus' time, in Micah's time. To put it another way, we have a world that God never intended either. The world that God intended, the world that God created, the world that God designed was one where parents never have to bury their children where lives are never cut short by disease, where families are not divided, where lovers do not end up becoming bitter enemies, where children never go hungry. The world that God intended, the world that God designed and created was a world where there would be enough food for everyone because there is no greed. And the list goes on and on. And ironically... This world that God intended, this world that we cannot imagine, this world that God created, it is the world that we dream about this time of year. It's the world that we sing about. It's the hope that we hope for. It is the world that we wish for. It is the world that we anticipate. It's the world that we sense and feel at Christmas, and here's why I think we do, why we hope and wish and anticipate and sense and feel at Christmas. I don't think it's because we're sentimental saps or hopeless romantics. Here's why. Because this world is the hope of Christmas. The world that God intended, the world that God designed, the world that God created, the world that you and I cannot imagine because we've never known any such world, is the exact world that is the hope of Christmas. And this desire, this longing, this hunger for a better world, for the world that God intended, it's in us all. It is intrinsic, it's inherent, it is inborn in us. We are hardwired with this deep-rooted hope of a better world. And that deep-rooted hope comes from a distant memory. All human beings, Christian and non-Christian, every single person in the world has this innate, inerrant, inborn desire, longing, hunger for what the spirit of this season hopes for and anticipates. Poets and writers and musicians have sung about it and have written about it. One of my least favorite musicians wrote and sang one of my favorite songs songs. John Lennon wrote this song. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Some of you want to sing this, don't you? Steady as she goes. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be. As one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live As one. John Lennon and others want a world with peace, harmony, and reconciliation, just like the rest of us. This is what we all want. This is the world we want. But here's the problem the problem is that John Lennon wants this kind of world, but they want it without Jesus Christ. Which creates another problem because we cannot have this world that we cannot imagine and this world that God created and intended and designed without Jesus Christ. There is no peace on earth without Jesus. There is no joy to the world without Jesus. There is no goodwill to humanity without Jesus Christ. The world that we are dreaming of and wishing for and hoping for and longing for is wrapped up in a person the messiah Jesus Christ and there's also this we all desire and we all hunger and we all long for and we all feel this hope for a better world but at present it is not And the world we live in is the world that we have. And Micah tells us that the world that we have is the one that needed and needs Jesus Christ to come into. And it is the one that Jesus had to come into. A world of conflict, of suffering, hurt, and division. It's the world that Jesus had to come into in order to fix it, in order to redeem it, in order to rescue it, in order to restore it. And Micah says that Jesus Christ is our present hope. But he also says in verses three to five that he is our future promise. Throughout the Bible, Many places throughout the Bible and through many people in the Bible, writers of the Bible, the prophets, God told them that human life, that you and I were made for better days ahead. Someone said, every once in a while, every once in a while, Something cracks our hearts open and a voice whispers to us, you were made for better days. We were made for better days. Now the Jews describe these better days ahead as shalom. And shalom is where we get our English word peace. Somebody wrote, God's shalom means much more than simply the absence of war or a positive state in my soul. It means wholeness and completeness throughout all creation and the end of injustice. And for Micah, the hope of shalom is wrapped up in a person, the prince of peace. For the Jews... It's the Messiah. For us as Christians, it is Jesus Christ. And by the way, they are the same person. The Messiah and Jesus Christ is the same person. The one that the Jews are hoping for has already come. And one day, some Jews are waking up and realizing this, and one day the whole world is going to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Messiah is indeed Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. But can there be peace on earth? Since the beginning of recorded history, there have only been peace worldwide 8% of the time. 31 years of recorded history, and there's only been 286 of them that have been without war. And during the same period, during that same 3,100 years, 8,000 treatises have been broken as well. And what about personal peace? What about peace in our marriages? And what about peace in our families? And what about peace in our homes? And what about peace at work? And what about financial peace? And in the midst of personal, national, and international suffering, hurt, and division, can the hope of Christmas still deliver And the answer is yes, but not without Jesus Christ. But we also know this, that there are better days ahead. Because Micah tells us that there is a better world ahead. In the chapter before our text, in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, he writes these words. It's a lot of text. Let me read it for you. But I want you to notice the last three lines. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall come forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations from far away, and they shall, and here it is, beat their swords into plowshares. Somebody asked me this week, what is a plowshare? A plowshare is the main blade on a farming plow. They shall beat their swords in the plowshares, their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. We read the identical words in Isaiah chapter two, verses two and three, and these are all activities of peace. So imagine with me now. Imagine with me. A world where swords are turned into plowshares, where spears are turned into pruning hooks, and neither shall learn war any more. Imagine with me a world where a wolf and a lamb can lay down together that a leopard and a goat can do the same as can a calf and a lion. A world where a cow can feed with a bear and their offspring can lay down together, where a lion will eat straw like an ox, and an infant can play near a cobra's nest, and a young child can handle a viper. This is the better world ahead that God promises through Micah and through Isaiah. And as it was in the beginning, where our deep memory is rooted of a better world, of a hope, as it was, so shall it be again, a better world ahead that will never, ever end. But not without Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. But in the meantime, in the meanwhile, in the interim, between the world that we have and the better world ahead, peace starts in our hearts. We cannot be effective instruments for peace until you and I have found peace inside in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, until we have settled the peace issue in our relationship with God, we're not part of the solution. We're still part of the problem. Secondly, when we become at peace with God and we are in a relationship with Him, we are called by God to participate in the ministry of Jesus to bring His peace to a broken world. And as peacekeepers and as peacemakers, we begin in our homes. I begin with Ruth, and with Scott, and Jessica, and Josh, and Melinda, and with Sarah. And I begin in my neighborhood, in my building. And it goes out from there. Because what we understand, and we have told many times is this, been told many times. We don't have a ministry. This is not my ministry. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is doing. All I'm doing, all you're doing, all we're doing is participating in what Jesus is doing through the work and the agency of the Holy Spirit. You don't have a ministry. There's only one ministry in the universe. And that's the ministry of God in and through and as Jesus Christ. And you and I, we get to participate in it by his invitation. But I think we all know is this as well. That even as we are invited to participate in Jesus' ministry to bring peace to a broken world, I think we all know that at best our efforts are limited But Jesus promises that he will make up the difference. He promises to make up the difference. There's a text in the fourth chapter of Micah that says this. And in that day declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant, and those who cast who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord God will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. I will assemble the lame and the outcast. Now metaphorically, That's exactly who I am. God never calls the perfect because there are none of us. He never calls the unbroken because there's no one in this room or watching online that isn't broken. God calls the imperfect and the broken. And He makes up the difference. And metaphorically speaking, In 35 years, and 40 years of being a Christian, I have been a lifelong limper. And God makes up the difference. Any other people in the room identify with that? I want you to close your eyes. Just for privacy, just for a moment of privacy. And I'm gonna ask you to do something on this Sunday before Christmas that I may be out of my mind about but here it is. I'm going to ask the musicians to come first, but here it is. Our world is a world that is suffering and are experiencing hurt and division. But what about in this room and watching online? What about you and I? What about us? Could your life right now be characterized as one that is suffering and that you are experiencing hurt and division is your life is there hurt and division in your life as there is in my life? Is there suffering in our lives? If there is, I want you to do something about it. I'm not gonna invite the prayer team today to come because I want this to be private. But I'm gonna ask you to do something public as well. I'm going to ask all of us to stand. Would you stand? I want to pray first. And then I'm going to ask you to do something that takes courage and humility. But before we get to that, Father, you know the room. But more importantly, you know the lives. You know us lord you know that i'm a lifelong limper spiritually emotionally mentally disabled in many ways broken broken and father today in this room i know that there's suffering some of it is private suffering and Maybe it's suffering that not even our closest friend or even our spouse knows about. In this room and online, there's hurt and division. But you said that when Jesus would come, that he would bring peace. He would relieve suffering and he would bring Cohesion and heal our pain. And so, Father, I ask now in this moment that you would help us to open our hearts and our lives to the call of the Holy Spirit in this moment. And I pray that you would give us courage and help us to be humble, to respond to your call. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want to do. If you are experiencing hurt and division in your life, this is not about you and somebody else. This is about us personally, individually. If you are experiencing hurt and division in your life, I'm going to ask you to exhibit courage and humility and an act of faith and I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and in the balcony to come down and just gather in to this altar area if you are suffering then why don't we come to the one who was born in a manger grew and died on a cross was resurrected and he lives today at the right hand of the Father. And he is here today in the person of the Holy Spirit as real as any of us.